life you will be posed some questions, lots of questions in your life, but there'll be some heavy, significant questions that you are posed by someone that you will answer in your lifetime that will shape the look of that lifetime and determine what happens at the end of it. Some really heavy questions like, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God and are you willing to make him king of your life? Someone's going to ask you that at some point in time in your life and you get to choose, you get to decide, you get to respond. Will you marry me? Somebody's going to ask you this question, most likely in your life. And what are you going to say? Do you want the position that we're offering you, the job we're offering you on the terms that we have talked about? And it's going to shape where you live and what you do and what you participate in in your life. And then are you willing to do what is necessary to raise this child? That's another question. And again, how you answer them shapes what that life, lifetime will look like. And how do you decide the answer to these questions? How do you know what kind of response? I, I began to think about this and try to think of what are the universal considerations, things to ask yourself about what response you're going to give. And here's the first one. Who's asking? Who's asking the question? I would like to think, I would like to think that when Kim said yes to will you marry me, it was because Paul did the asking. She wouldn't have just said to a, a yes to a guy named Gary or Bubba or John, right? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that. Because there was, who's asking the question? What, what kind of investment of life? What kind of person is this? What's my investment with them? Who's asking the question? Consideration number two, what's this going to require of me? And what will I get out of it? I mean, that position that's offered to you, it really needs to be in your wheelhouse. It needs to be in your area of interest. And you won't do it voluntarily. You won't do it for free. So, so what's going to be your, as Gary James likes to say, remuneration for that? What's, what's going to be your pay for that? And then third, is this something significant? Is this something I really believe in? Is this something that really matters to me? Now there may be some other considerations too, but these three are universal for any kind of question you're asked like this. And I bring these questions to this text because God this morning, as we are looking at Luke chapter 1, God comes asking Mary to do something for him, for him that is huge for all of us. It is, a, it is a big, big deal. And when that's the case, God will dispatch an angel. And he did. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary, who is engaged at this time to Joseph. She lived in this little town of Nazareth, size of like a Truman or, or Tuckerman or something like that, right? Very small town, insignificant town. He meets her and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That's his introduction. And she responds with being troubled. It says she was greatly troubled. In Scripture, this is nearly always the response someone gives to an angelic visitation. I gather from this that angels weren't chubby babies like that sit on your mantle. Angels were more like these vicious, mighty warriors that were very intimidating. And Mary also knew her Bible, right? She knew that an angel appearing is something, something big is happening. The word angel means messenger, messenger of God. And they're kind of like when you're, when you're at a play, it's kind of like the role of a narrator. 
Here comes a transition in the story, and the narrator needs to explain why and what's happening. And so the angel appears, and she knows this from her story. She knows this from her history. Usually when an angel shows up, there's a shakeup in the story. And the text describes Mary. I want you to see it. Describe Mary as trying to discern what kind of greeting this might be. Discern. She's troubled, and she starts dialoguing. That's what the word is in the Greek. It's a dialogue. Dialogizomai, right? It's like I'm, I'm trying to talk to myself and figure out what is this. And I think what follows is part of that dialogue. She's trying to understand. And so the angel very much gets the vibe and says, don't be afraid. That's the most common command in Scripture. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be called, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will not be ended ever. And Mary got the message as a student of Judaism, as a student of the Old Testament. She heard the allusions to Daniel and to Ezekiel and to Isaiah and to Genesis and to all, so many of the prophets. She knew this was Messiah language, and she didn't miss it. But part of her dialogue, part of coming to grips with what this angel's trying to say, she then responds, but how can this be? I've never been with a man. She's engaged, but she's not married. That angel is patient. Gabriel's understanding and explains to her what's about to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore a child will be, the child will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, has the, has the ingredients of God in him. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son in the sixth month now. She's no longer called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel just informs Mary, just tells Mary what's going to happen. Technically, this is a message that doesn't need a response. This is a text to somebody not looking for a reply. But it feels like the way he's talking and the way he's looking at her, I think, in this conversation, he's wanting a reply from Mary. Mary, are you going to agree to this? Have you heard what I'm saying? Are, are you going to volunteer and participate and cooperate? And she said, yes. She said, yes. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, yes. And after this, just a little ways, she, she responds in a song where she's thought about deeply all these words. She's thought about the words over and over again. And she breaks out in a song of praise, right? And that song contains the thoughts of her dialogue, the pondering of her heart that she did in response to the angel. What is she thinking? Why did she agree to this? She said, yes, because of who asked. Yes, it was an angel that appeared, this terrifying creature, but really, who's asking? It's not the angel that. The angel is a messenger, an ambassador for someone else. Someone stands behind that angel with authority, and that person is God, and she knew it. And she, as a servant of God, would never say no to God no matter what he asks. I appreciated this email this week from Mary Lee. She got it from somewhere else, sent it to me. Can you imagine, what does it take? What kind of mother, maybe father and mother, did Mary have that gave her this kind of instant disposition 
in response to God's request. She was raised knowing her history. She knew the Old Testament. She knew what this was about. She knew she, she properly positioned and postured in her life as a servant of God. And she'd learned that when God says something, you just say, yes, sir. That's what you do. How was she raised to have that kind of discipline? Can we raise our kids in such a way that when God says something, we don't argue, we don't debate, we don't get mad. We simply say, I am your servant. I'll do what you ask. The most important factor in teaching our kids this is us living this way ourselves. We are a servant of God, and even when it's a challenge, what he asks us, when the Lord asks us something, when he says his will, his will is our command. She said yes because of who asked. And notice the first line of the song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. A beautiful spirit that comes out of Mary that causes her to say yes to a very challenging. And she, she said yes, though she knew what the cost would be, which seems, leads to the second one. She said yes, knowing what it would require her, or at least much of that. In our world, this is a little less shocking than it used to be, but some of you older people know what it was like. If you were in junior high and high school and you were pregnant, you kind of move to a relative in a distant part of the United States because the shame and stigma attached to that action was so bad culturally and socially, you just couldn't stay in the same community. I'm glad it's not that way. But I do long for a little of that. A little shame. What did this woman know when she realized She's sitting there hearing this and dialoguing with the words, this means I'm going to be pregnant without the intervention of a human male. I know that, the angel knows that, but there ain't nobody in the world who's going to buy that. People aren't going to treat me according to the truth. People are going to treat me according to what they interpret being the case. And I'm going to be stuck with stigma and shame for a long time. And I could try to explain till I'm blue in the face, hey, there's an angel who came, and really God's the Father, and everybody's going to go, now that, you are out of your ever-living mind. There has been, there's one virgin birth in the history of the world, and it happened in the little town of Nazareth in a time when nobody would accept any kind of interpretation like that. She knew saying yes would be a horrendous burden for her, for Joseph, for her parents. And I don't know how long this would last. Eventually, people would know. And notice what she sings later on. She says, people will call me, behold, from, all, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's true. In the future, people will call me blessed. But that's way in the future. My current generation ain't going to think so blessed of me. Saying yes to God will mess up your time frame. It will mess up your standing in the world. Because he's going to ask you to do things that are so different than the way people in the world do it. And, yes, here's, and yet here's this Mary willing to do it. She is willing to take on this task. But one day it would happen. 
that people would call her blessed. We're living that day now. There are some people who go so far as to say Mary had a redemptive role, a direct redemptive role in our salvation. That is not true. That's taken a little far. But back that up a few steps and realize that the one who did play the redemptive role in our life got here through the sacrifice of this woman. We benefit from the sacrifices this woman made to deliver forth our deliverer that is worthy of honor. And so there are a few Christmas carols you will sing that actually name Mary's name. Can you think of any of them? Mary, did you know? I know, you know that one. That one's, right? Can you think of any Christmas carols that actually have Mary's name in them? There's a precious few of them. But even if they don't name them, we know this woman is the one who brought forth our Savior, and we give her proper respect for it. We don't call her co-redeemer, but we do call her a blessed woman who blessed our lives too. And here's how we know that she didn't know it all. Obviously, that song, Mary, did you know? She knows some things, but there's just a lot. I mean, you do realize, right, she... She knew some things, and later on when you see this happening... She keeps treasuring up things. When the shepherds come in from the fields, after they sing the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Okay? They sing that in the fields, and then they come in there, and they talk to Mary, and, her, and it says she treasured these things in her heart. That's just, here's affirmation from beyond just angels and beyond just me and Elizabeth. This is outside of us. People are starting to know, and she treasures it. And then when he turns 12 and he's lost in the temple, it says she she, did this, she, she pondered this in her heart, but I want you to notice what Simeon says to her in the temple. This is just a few days later. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. You said yes to this because it was God, and you said yes to this because of how important this was, but I want you to know it is going to cut you to the heart to have this role. You're going to be able to see him. You were the one who saw the Savior for the first time, and you diapered him, and you cleaned him, and you watched him grow up, and you helped him feed him, and you took care of him and sheltered him and, and put Band-Aids on him and all those things. But listen to me, it's going to pierce your heart. And so we look at the cross, and we see all that stuff, and Mary was right there watching and we know what it did to God we hear scriptures talking about what it did to God when they killed him like that and pierced his side but what did that do to his mother standing there watching it but she said yes anyway she said yes knowing the significant child this was the king of David the last king of David, the one that would be on the throne forever, the one that would rule and kingdom would never end. So she sang Luke chapter 1, verses 50, beginning, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. This is the promise of Abraham to the world. She knew how significant this was. And so she agreed. She said yes. God asked, 
And she said yes. And we are beneficiaries. And we are thankful. And then she honored that role with great dignity all the way through this experience, knowing how hard it would be to carry this role out. I just want to share, how do you maintain your yes? And there's three things in the text that show what is a person who says yes to God? How do they sustain it? How do they nurture it? How do they sustain it in a world that's going to be attacking it? And the first thing is she keeps reviewing the words over and over and over. She keeps meditating on what the Lord said to her through that angel. She keeps it in her head, and it turns into a song, and it turns into a praise, and it turns into all sorts of, it turns into a discussion. Luke does his research, and that's the only way Luke knew the material in Luke chapter 1. He talked to Mary or someone close to Mary. She meditates on these words and she reviews them over and over. The way that people who say yes to God maintain their yes is they keep reviewing the words of God as a source of life. This is why we have Bible class. Not today. This is why we have Bible class. We give up the words. We won't carry out our yes to God. The words and our yes are directly related. But that's not the only thing that maintains her yes. The moment the angel Gabriel disappears, what is the first thing she does? It's interesting, isn't it, that God gave some information that wasn't necessary. Why did she need to know what Elizabeth was experiencing? Well, what she's thinking is there's only one other person in the world who knows the story like I do. And I'm going to run and spend three months with her. What do people who say yes do to maintain their yes? They gather with all other yes people and they draw strength and inspiration from them. We get the story. Listen, I know, we know the gospel story. And in fact, one of the great blessings of redemption is not just forgiveness of sins, but an inside track to the plan of God. And we've got to go over it in our minds. But not just go over it in our minds. We need to get together with other people who believe it and go over it together with them. And we need to keep this fresh and we need to keep this going. Because if I ever forget, if I ever forget I need a brother or sister to remind me what that plan is, Yes, people, if you are a yes to God person, you gather as often as you can with others who've said yes to God, and let's maintain a strong yes in a world that's constantly trying to get us to compromise it. Gather with your yes people. She runs to Elizabeth. They have a conversation because there's no other person in the entire world, not even Joseph yet, who knows the inside story. They're going to be judged by everybody, but when she's with Elizabeth, there's no judgment. There's just affirmation and strength, and that's what yes people do. But the third thing she does is these words go into her heart. She gathers with other people, and she starts singing them out. She writes the Magnificat, which we sang last week. Beautiful song. It's Mary's response after she lets all these words and this truth get into her heart and she starts meditating on it. It has to come out somehow. It comes out with other yes people like Elizabeth, but it comes out in praise and gratitude and worship. She sings this amazing song. We sing here, we already have. Singing is a big deal. It is not just an optional thing we put in there because it sounds good. 
This is a big deal. God says there's something about singing that drives the truths deep into our hearts and it bypasses sometimes just the intellect and it goes straight to the heart and gets to our emotions. And he says, I want to know that my truth affects more than just your memorization in your brain. I want to drive it into your soul and your mind and I'm going to do it with tune and I'm going to do it with music. And so there is Mary. But now notice something about Mary's song. When we talk about singing, we'll always go to Colossians and Ephesians, the two singing texts. But the funny thing is, those aren't worship texts. There's nothing in those texts strictly that are about worship. It's about this is part of our Christian life. We sing to one another, and we sing to the Lord, we give thanks to God. It's, it's, it's not just worship, it's in our life. And Mary's not in church when she sings. Mary is not in church, but she's also not alone. She's with Elizabeth, and she pours forth this song. You know what yes people do? We keep going over the words of God and driving them deep into our heart. We get together with other yes-to-God people, and we, we generate this inspiration with each other and motivation and encouragement. And then we get together and make sure that we sing it, and we praise God for it. And that's how we maintain our yes to God. That's how Mary did it, and it seems like a really good thing for us. Yes, people. Yes to God, people. We spend time in that word. We get together with other yes to God people, and we praise and thank God all the time, constantly. Today we are grateful to God for sending his son. Today we are grateful that Mary said yes to God. And through Mary, God sent the Christ child to us, which means now through Jesus, God is asking us. He's allowing us to make room in our lives for this Jesus to save us, to redeem and deliver us, and to use us, like Mary, to send him further into the world by influencing other people to accept this Jesus too. We say yes, and we keep saying yes, and we gather with the yes people, and we keep trying to push the yes out into the world. God is asking through the gospel for us to make room in our lives for Jesus, to save us and to save the world through us. God is still calling. He's still coming. He's still asking you. And this morning, he's asking you again. Are you going to let me use you to bring Jesus into your life further and into the world further? Will this be the day you say yes? Don't let the fact that I've got a turkey baking in the oven right now stop you. I will let that bird burn. Are you willing to say yes? It's the perfect day for it. Why not let Jesus come a little further in the world today? By bringing yourself forward and saying, I'll let him come through me. I'll let him live in me. I'll say yes to him right now as we stand and we sing to encourage you.